0: Are you looking for an open minded perspective? Different view or a different take? Well, this is Lost in the Groove, Society and Culture Podcast, Donor Culture, and Deep Dive. See, here we're all about the experience, all about the journey, and getting into the groove. Hey, everybody, welcome to Lost in the Groove. I'm your host, Dave.
1: And this is your guest
2: host, Carissa. I'm the co-host, Henry Kemp, the fourth.
0: Yes, there were four more before. Uh, we're, we're here today to have a, another another conversation, and um, being that this month is about suicide prevention, and I can relate with myself and my different levels of depression. I have been there, and I've lost friends and family members. Um, it's a conversation that's painful, not because, not to the person, cause they're gone. It's to us because we no longer have them in their, in our lives. And we probably, we're going to do po- uh, two parts with this. Uh, we'll see. Um, but I think the, the best way to talk about suicide is depression
1: The best way to start
0: Best way to start it. It's where it grows like cancer.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I mean, like, I do my hardest to run away from the topic, not think about it, you know? But, like, what we're doing is we're going to talk about suicide prevention. Yeah, I want to do possibly two parts, you know? And this is definitely the first part. And, yeah, I think starting off this episode talking about is is a really good way to start. I I personally have had a suicide attempt, which we can talk about later, because it's hard to just like start off with that. Um, I, I can't like off the top of my head think of anyone extremely close to me that I've lost from suicide. Um, you know, like it's not just like bam like, that person. Now we had, you know, a few people in high school, but they were more acquaintances than, you know, my good friends. Uh, there's a couple, a couple of my friends where they OD, and it was rumored that it was intentional, and that was a close, close friend of mine. But um, I don't know. I mean, I just I try and encourage everybody to just you know, don't know. it. But I I do I do talk with my friends about it. Like I just had a conversation with one of my coworkers about that feeling when you're driving. And sometimes you just don't like, correct the wheel, and i will just go off this right now. Like that is a terrible feeling. But it's like we we talked about it, and I I do think that it feels better if you you confess it to, to one another in like space. Cause like, cause like once you kind of say it out loud, sometimes it's like, a, wow, that, you know, I saw somebody else respond to it. Like, I, I mean, I just, what I'm saying is like, don't, don't bottle it in, don't hold it in. When I had my suicide attempt, I never, I never mentioned it at all to anyone. It never came up. I never talked to my counselor about it. I never mentioned it to my friends. I never said a single You
0: You thing like don't, yeah. it's not, it's not something, it's not something you do. I and mean, I can relate and, uh, I don't feel comfortable talking about it right now. And that's just yeah, me.
1: Really um, not, like, but not but, now.
0: <laughs> but I mean, like Henry, when you, when you think of, uh, think of depression, I think we, we all we all go through some levels of depression. Uh have you ever had those moments of that like um, severe depression and a pain? It is, it's
2: yeah, pain. Yeah. I've gotten to like <sighs> uh like really, really deep depression just because of the, like environment I was in. I wasn't like happy it wasn't really supportive um and i felt like i couldn't like i didn't have anyone around me i was close enough that i could go to and like talk about my problems with and at the same time um you know for us men it's like oh man up stop being like a little girl and stuff like that and so
0: like being a pussy
2: yeah And so, um, as far as like communicating my problems or any issues I have, my depression, I just.
0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Authority Car Mods, a mod shop which I personally use for all my car needs, from my custom modifications to my vehicle general maintenance, tire repair and discount pricing. These guys do great work. And their prices are literally killing the competition. Located here in South Florida in West Coral Springs, right off the sample road exit, not only are they super accessible, but open late nights with appointments. So don't wait. Follow them on Instagram at authority underscore car underscore mods or call their office line, which is 954-798-1602.
2: And book your spot now. I bottled it up. I didn't talk to anyone about it, and um, I pretty much just like started <clears throat> tr- like trying to find ways to cope with the depression, and then got into like drugs I probably shouldn't have been taking, like like Xanax. Mm, stuff like that, just to kind of try and numb everything. That's George. fun. That's fun. <laughs> no,
1: Xanax is, like, kind of where I was at, too. I feel like it, like, numbs you out real hard. I feel like Xanax and suicide are, like, they're in the same, like, realm. They're a married couple. <laughs> it's terrible. I'm sorry. Go on.
2: Yeah. Um... And yeah, I was like, I was, I think it got to a point where it was like, I felt like I actually needed someone like, or, you know, like you go to people, you want them to like be the ones to go to or like you expect. And that for me, that was like family at the time, but my family it pretty much just cut me off and. Yeah, I got, like, real depressed after that. And I got and started getting, like, the suicidal thoughts. Um, I had lost my uncle to suicide a year before that. And um, I, like, kind of witnessed, like, stuff he was going through Um, at that time. Like, I actually was going to school to be a therapist, Like I love psychology and I wanted to like be a therapist to like help people through their issues like this. But I like spent the last three days with him before he actually committed suicide. And I like was on the suicide hotline like the day one and told me not to leave him alone. Uh, but like after the first two days it was kind of like exhausting mentally and emotionally and uh another another uncle told me to like, oh just go home, like go to sleep and then like he'll he'll be fine. And literally the night like I went home to go to sleep, he actually like committed suicide and so. I actually dropped out of school that semester and like I didn't want to be a therapist anymore because I couldn't, like I couldn't picture myself being a therapist and then actually losing one of my clients to suicide. Like, like, you know, so I like dropped out of school.
0: It reminds me, I had a a friend, we were close friends, we knew each other for a short time. Really sweet guy, funny, weird, dorky. Uh, Every single time we hung out, we had a blast. And he committed suicide. He jumped out of a building in Haifa in Israel, 24 floors. And no one told me. And the closest, a close friend of mine at the time, and we still try to keep in touch. She didn't want to tell me anything. And I kept on, you know, I, I had, like, there was something that was bothering me, and I, I finally just screamed at her one day, and I said to her, I said, is it Josh? Just just fucking just tell me. And she told me, and I, I, I went through, like, a moment of processing because I completely ignored everything he said you know i remembering the the way he he talked and he couldn't handle it anymore like the world did not want to accept him for who he was his family loved him he had a very supporting family but i think the most important thing that people don't realize today that we suffer more than anything else is we're alone a lot of us and i'm very grateful for my wonderful family and I'm very grateful to my mom but For a large portion of my life, I had no one that I could talk to and know the pain that he went through. Who was I supposed to talk to? My dad? My dad would beat the crap out of me.
1: Yeah.
0: Beat the living shit out of me. That's what my father did. If I went to my mom, she would have a dramatic episode and throw a tantrum and go crying to my father. I had no one. Yeah. So what are we supposed to do now as an adult? You know, now we're stuck with a fuck twad for a president, a country (laughs) that's falling to shambles. We're all suffering with inflation. We're all trying to survive. But yet. We got to push forward because we have to. We got to bottle up all of our shit because that's what we're told to do.
2: Sorry. Sorry. Well, I think one good technique, like I, like I don't do as much now. Uh, I should probably should, but someone told me like journaling, journaling, you're like, thought process and like emotions out if you don't have a therapist um if you can get a therapist that would be nice but therapy can be expensive. but i also from my understanding uh you can call like they have hotlines now um there's one instance.
0: that i um there's one that I was promoting on this podcast, which again, I I will put a link in there. They're called the Trevor Project. To any teenager or any parent that's listening right now, if you have a kid that's struggling, whether whatever kind of sexuality they're going through and you feel like there's something's wrong, check out the Trevor Project. They're really incredible people. They have a really amazing team. Like they really care about the LGBTQ youth. Like I urge anyone that's listening. Um, that's going through that. but Yeah, I'm sorry, Henny, what you were saying my apologies.
2: Uh, and then, yeah, they have, like, I believe the new uh, suicide hotline number is just 988. So, like, anyone feels suicidal or, like, know someone that's suicidal, you can call that number.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was just looking at it in general. And you go, you just call 988 like for uh, 24 hours and like well it just says English and Spanish they should work on that but um that's my one critique but I mean also just call 911 immediately like for anybody but 988 like you know that's that's really cool I just found that today I am disappointed that I did like no research you know but like at the same time I that's kind of why I want to do like part two because I was like, do oh, like oh, precise mm-hmm. stuff, but like, yeah, if anybody's like going through some serious shit or they got kids and stuff like that, they have to be listening. Thank you. For- yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of amazing with all the technology that we have now. And the, you know, the the kind of ability that the push of a button, we, we can get the, the help that we need. Um, but I think another thing that's not really looked over is is our communities. Um, I don't know what's going on over here. Hold on a second. Uh, We're... I feel like we run into the... Sorry, I'm having audio issues. Um, we, we run into this problem of we have this great community. We have, you know, we go to school, we have our friends, we have this and that, and we have our hangouts and our what, but it, we still have this issue of where, like, we still feel lost. You know, I know a lot of people where they can hang out with a thousand people, like, they're doing great at work and They're really not doing great. Like, they're so down the shithole and nobody's, like, noticing. Um, I think another, like, uh, cornerstone of depression, which a lot of the uh, pharmaceutical ads on television don't show. A lot of people don't show depression. Some people hide it really well.
2: I think I'm like one of those <laughs> those people too, cause I'm like always like smiling and trying to like cheer people up. And then I'm like by myself. And it's yeah, it can get pretty bad. Luckily, like I have started opening up to people a little bit to like people I trust. And then I'll like journal here and there. But, yeah, it's kind of hard to tell with some people. And I feel like also our just, like, society, we try to avoid topics like this out of, I'm not sure, like, maybe, like, shame.
1: Yeah, I know. Like we all were like, oh, we're going to talk about this tonight, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. it is an avoided topic. And it it is harder to talk about. Like, I feel like I have to like do the topic justice, you know, it's like, it's a lot of pressure almost.
0: Yeah. With advancements of technology in our society and industry, suicide has become a problem because we've created an environment that only works for one type of method, which is money. That's what our that when we it's funny, we talk about society and culture all the time. Like this is what this podcast is about. You know what society is? It's money. It's always been money. Since the era of civilization. Think about it. How how are the Egyptians so powerful? They had money. They had jewels and gold and silver. A trade um, one. What you learn from this is. Depression is all about that want of a desire, like a want or a desire that you cannot have or you feel you can't have, whatever the matter is, and it creates this kind of like scratching at the chalkboard. I hate that sound, but I love it at the same time. Uh, It just chews at your brain and it just eats away at all the little bitty pieces. And what you're left with is the pain. I, I I think the best way to explain that pain is kind of like bugs crawling underneath your skin. Mm-hmm. It, we're all, we're talking metaphorically, okay? Like this is not. Mummies. Yeah, no, 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 no. We're not bringing up mummy or the Mummy the Revenge. Great movies, but yeah. Okay. Sorry, Carissa. <laughs>
2: You know, I love that. On to the topic, though, just like money. I feel like it's kind of sad that, you know, people that do go into, you know, healthcare, like seeking help for their depression are just going to, or they're just like tossed on these prescriptions of antidepressants rather than like us being taught mindfulness and like meditating or just like reflecting on our emotions and why we feel the way that we feel and like trying to get to like the root of why we feel like these emotions, why we feel depressed or like suicidal. But I feel like, yeah, you don't benefit, like the government doesn't benefit from that by teaching people that they benefit more off of just throwing them on antidepressants and just different prescriptions
1: antidepressant things bad i feel like now you know that i'm older it's my responsibility to make the changes to make my life livable now i know that like different people have different things against them. And there's no way that I would listen to that advice when I'm not nervous, you know what I mean? But like right now, when I'm sitting here trying to give advice and I'm like halfway together, I know that I have to make changes day by day, make plans, do things, be active about what it is that is making me feel That terrible. Um, uh, I know that when I was younger, you know, I was stuck in the same town. I'd never left. Um, I'd never left that town, (laughs) like, and I was isolated with the same people. I saw no future for myself other than that place. I had no idea what the world could do or what I could do anything and I didn't care you know because I just didn't I my mind didn't see beyond where I was Uh, that's a a scary thing you know I think about all the advice I can give you know somebody who's in their 30s that you know is able to work a job and take care of themselves but my advice for, for somebody who is in a really bad place try and make some friends try and try and talk to some people that's all that's the best place to start i don't know i don't even know but the
0: right people
1: sometimes friends are the reason that people do it like it's it scares me think about people you know young people who are so misguided and and that you know i could have ended my whole life just over that shit you know i mean you think about the people that you lost it's just like there was so much more than that and I wish that they could have whatever they want, you know, whatever it was that they weren't getting, you know, whatever it was that was itching under their skin, as Sir David would say.
0: I've said this be I've said this before on the um on the podcast, where people like me that left the community that I was raised in, some of them commit suicide, some of them go crazy. And it's all because their mindset has been, been programmed since the day they were born. Is they're controlled. That's how you're raised. You're raised that you're controlled by God. And in the way that I was raised, in the, the Judaistic um, realistic, uh, religious circle that I was in, it's very forced upon. You can't do it because you're Jewish. And by birth, you're obligated to keep these traditions because you're Jewish. That's why you're doing it. What does this have to do with anything? It still goes back to the same tie where you're creating an environment that allows people to be anxious and depressed because you're not allowing them to think for themselves. If You can't think for yourself. You know what? Okay, most people are stupid. I mean, hello, we live in a country full of dumbasses. But out of those dumbasses, you do have those people that say, hey, this is bullshit, let me get the fuck out of here. But like Henry was saying earlier, it's not the pill that's going to fix the problem. you got to work on other stuff like meditation, uh, therapy, journaling, Kind of figuring out, like, okay, I'm making this really big change, like, so I get out of this shit and move on to the next thing. But I got a plan, like, I know, like, all right, I'm gonna bump into this, I understand what's going on, because, like, maybe I don't understand because I was raised a certain way. Many people don't do this, because, again, we're not raised with this type of thinking. We're just like, okay, fuck all this shit, we're leaving, and then we leave... And we're like oh my god this is the world this is why i sacrificed my whole family and all my friends and all of my community for this shithole but it took me six years to realize that shithole is where you find the golden nuggets <laughs> mm,
2: that's true yeah, think the start of things <clears throat> like a lot of people just don't see the bigger picture and it's kind of hard to like show someone that or like guide them towards that when they don't like see it for themselves to the point like yeah you you want to commit suicide it's kind of sad but I think it is important to like have like some sort of community and like supportive background agreed I think that's like one of the most important things because it's going to be hard to do it by yourself um yeah especially if like yeah, you don't you, you don't see anything beyond like where you're at now, and I think our environment like <clears throat> controls a lot of a lot of that. I remember like I think when I <clears throat> when my family did cut me off, and I like started uh, like taking the Xanax to like cope. And then that wasn't doing anything. It got to a point where I like started hurting myself. Like, like the razor blades off of shavers and like start cutting my forearm. And like that didn't do anything to the point like, yeah, I pretty much like planned my suicide attempt. Like I knew when all my friends were going to be working. We were all roommates at the time. So I like planned it for when they like left, and then I was like, I don't know if I want to get too into the like. If detail. you want,
0: I if you want me to, I can I can start. I mean, a recursor. If you want to,
1: I wanted to ask like, what were things like in your life at that time? You know, was, um, like, back on my life, and I just wonder what things were like for you. Like big picture
2: now that you're looking at the big picture so at wait so you want like my life then
1: no i mean like what life was like for you at that time you know oh. like, having-
0: so the listeners so the the idea is we're trying to get them the understanding of if you're in that level of depression that you are are suicidal like what is going on in your head like at that time, like all that stress, all that depression, all that anxiety on you, like what were you feeling at, at that
2: at that moment? At the time, um, I pretty much felt like I had no one. Um, like I had a bunch of friends around me, but they weren't like the best group of friends. Like I couldn't talk to them about my issues because then again, we had that, oh, you need to man up. Thing, or they would just like get uncomfortable and leave the room so I like couldn't talk to them and then we're pretty much like family I grew up with cut me off and so I was like I couldn't go to them and then I didn't really like yeah know anyone else that I could just like reach out to and talk to yeah Um, and so then that's where like the drugs came in and like I had pretty like I was going to school but I told you I'd like dropped out because I wanted to do psychology and be a therapist but like I couldn't fathom like having clients commit suicide so i dropped out of school i didn't know what i wanted to do the job that i was at at the time was like not fulfilling at all and like overworked us it was like mentally draining emotionally draining i like wasn't making i was like barely making enough money to like cover my bills pay like make my car payments and like insurance let alone like buy groceries and stuff like this was my first time like getting out into the world beyond college and so yeah like i didn't really have any like help and then yeah i got mixed into the drugs and like that wasn't helping you
1: didn't have a whole
2: lot of money how'd you get drugs uh i just had like my friends that did them and they just like give them to me. That's what we
0: did. I mean, that's what I did like with, with drugs and, um, in high school. I mean, I went to a school for like a correctional school for delinquent kids pretty much. So like we had a kid there that was selling drugs. So, you know, you just slip them a five and I mainly was, I actually, it's funny. I also, also did mainly pills. Uh, pills and pills, alcohol and cannabis. I used to drink.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's how it started with me. It was like I just like take pills and then like drink alcohol. I like I did harder shit back then than I do or have done in a long time. I don't know. I I found I went through my grandmother had died and so she just had pills upon pills in her house. So if there's any parents listening put that shit away man. Yeah. kids getting that shit in high school it's not good for you and, and then also like just like getting painkillers for uh you know like little surgeries and getting wisdom teeth out and stuff like that used to get kids hooked on painkillers you know and then we would be like "Ooh, that feels good then you know we'd get like too much in a bottle and then like sell it or take more of it or stuff like that take too much of you know like somehow get a bunch of refills on it but like you know i don't even know it's just like crazy but i i I do feel like pills are are definitely like a a way like i feel like there's always like an assistant i mean i mean Mm -hmm. some people maybe they just go straight into suicide but i do i feel like there's kind of like a a thing that you start getting into that, like, makes you start, like, really going down the
0: path of being, like, having a live. Well, think about it like this. Like, um, common suicides... Again, I don't know the exact, like, uh, from what I've seen and, like, from my own experience of, like, what I've heard is substance. It's primarily, like, um, you know, alcohol, Mm -hmm. heroin, meth, hard drugs, pills, um... A mixture of different things. It's, I don't know, like it's an, like you were talking about those different levels. I feel like it reaches a point where, I'm going to bring this up again. It's kind of the same thing like with heroin. It's like, it gives you that high. We all know that high. You're like, ah. And then it gives you the low and you're like, oh, and you're all back where you were before. So you want to correct that. So you just add more and more and more and more. And more. And then there's no more. And they find you dead in a closet.
1: Uh, I feel like what, what I figured out about, like, how to get myself to not, you know, not be suicidal is that you have to want to not to be suicidal. Like, you have to, like, something has to change in you. And you have to say, I don't want to feel this way anymore. Like, I don't want to hate my life anymore. I don't want to feel miserable 24-7. And I don't, I know what it's like to not feel that way and not have that in yourself. But like, I do think that at some point, it's like a the next stage. Like, it's, it's the way out of, of feeling depression. And I think that, you know, people get bottled into little situations, they have rights they have nothing they have the boundaries they they have nothing they just feel trapped they want to die whatever like i feel like you either like submit and cower down or you just get fucking angry and you're like i'm not gonna be miserable anymore you know like i'm gonna Mm -hmm. fucking figure something out you know like i'm gonna make sure that i have the best life like i'm not gonna live like this and and i i don't care what it takes and it doesn't have anything to do with my mom or my dad or anyone You know, like I get to have the life that I fucking want, you know? And I I feel like even if it takes like two, three years of waiting around in misery to get out, to get somewhere to have the life that you want, you know, like if you're a teenager, like do it. Like, I don't know. I just, I would encourage anybody just like take another fucking day, like, and breathe, like, you know, take another year and see if you still feel like killing yourself. Like just wait. (laughs) Like I don't know, just do anything
2: else. Make a change. Yeah. It's like I did I like had my like suicide attempt and failed. And it was interesting because like my work two of my work friends like called me like right after, not like not knowing what happened, but then I just like opened up to them about it. And we had like a conversation and then uh, I think literally two weeks after that, one of my friends like contacted me because I'd like always wanted to do ayahuasca. And we just happened to have shaman coming into town and like doing the ceremonies like within that two weeks. So he's like, this is kind of last notice, but would you want to do it? And, um, yeah, I was like, yeah, man, like, um, I really want to, I think this would be good for me and like had, went and did like three ceremonies and it was interesting. Uh, you meet the mother. I didn't get to meet, like, I didn't get to go that deep, but the shaman, the shaman, like, um, i could i couldn't purge like during the process i always purged like after and that was whenever i ate and uh, i think it was the last ceremony the one of the shaman was like hey henry like death is coming like death is here to see you and i just like i remembered before like even like she said that I just felt like so many emotions like I felt angry I felt sad and like kind of depressed and I was like I don't know where this is coming from but I was just like feeling all of these emotions and then she said that and then she had me go and sit in front of the other shaman and he like started doing like hand gestures in front of me, and he started purging for me, and it was a lot, like a lot of purging. And uh after he finished, they had me go back, and like all of those emotions were just gone. I felt relief, and then at the end of the ceremony, they were just like, yeah, death had come to see you, like you had gotten a disease, and it was like, supposed to kill you but we like removed it from you so you're you're okay now and I remember like after that ceremony like a lot of things in my life like started to change <laughs> I like I think I worked there a little bit longer but at my job but ultimately like I decided to quit because I was like I'm not going to be doing this the rest of my life and uh I like moved to St. George, Utah. I was living in Salt Lake at the time. St. George is like three hours south of there. And I just got another, like a random job. I wasn't making like that much money, but the cost of living in St. George was like super cheap. Like I was only paying $200 for rent. like i love hiking and so in st george there's just so many places to hike there and that's when i got into like photography like hiking taking shots of like uh landscapes and just like birds and plants and stuff like that and then yeah i got into like graphic design too and so that's where i figured like hey this is i think this is what i want to do in life i don't know how i'm gonna do it but i'm gonna do it and i just like started taking photos i made like an instagram account for it and like it actually started blowing up like within two to three weeks i was getting just a ton of people were like oh i love prints man and like Uh, uh, you're
0: gonna need to uh eventually i'm gonna need you to get send me a print i need one for my bedroom uh, but we'll, we'll we'll talk about this another time but I no. <clears throat> it's interesting because cursosa uh, brought something we brought out something which was really interesting was this the uh, the idea of you tell yourself that I want to live for me throughout my journey music has kind of always been my like my wake-up call Um the song that actually inspired me to pick myself up and get out was Imagine by John Lennon. Um, the song Rebel Rebel by David Bowie like inspired me to kind of love my kinky side a little more. And I can just go on and on and on, like Pale Blue Eyes by The Velvet Underground, just accepting that darkness, that paleness, the shadowness, the the part of yourself that you like to keep behind a closet. And I started to learn some really cool things about me that I didn't know before. I can be kind of edgy, I can be a bitch, and I kind of like it. And these were all these things that I were hating myself and beating myself up. And then I realized to myself that I have something that I wish most people can see. I know what it is to be a miserable child, you feel like no one loves you, and no one wants to talk to you, and I was weird as fuck, I was, and I still am, and I'm okay with it. But you reach that age where you're like, why would anyone give a shit about me? And I'm 23 now I'm turning 24 next year I say fuck the world I will wear kinky boots honey I will wear fishnets if I fucking feel like it I'm gonna wear a crop top I don't care fuck you and it took me a long time to get to that point cuz you know what I got like one other 70 years I got I gotta I gotta make the best what I got just like Carissa said, you got to like flip it. You got to be like, I want to live. Fuck all that shit.
1: It, it's really hard to accept failure. I think it's it's really hard to accept the pressure of things not turning out correctly. Um, I know that it's really hard to accept Things going poorly, you know? And I, I feel like a lot of people will, I, that I've seen, will commit suicide because of failures that they've had or things that they're afraid to face or stuff that hasn't gone well. Or, you know, I, I've seen people commit suicide because someone else has died. Like, you know, it's, it's just like there's all these different reasons, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I also, I'll never know what it feels like for other people. I only know what it feels like in my mind when I think that darkly, when I'm at my wit's end with the pressure, you know? But I, I do think that um, it takes a lot, it takes a lot to accept things not turning out the way that you would have liked, you know? And I, I do think that that, <laughs> is really fucking hard and sometimes it takes days to tell yourself like fine this is just the way my life is you know and it's like well yeah i'd rather die but like fine we're just gonna put up with the fact that we eat noodles all the fucking time and we have no boyfriend and we have this and we have that and that is it you know, and this person doesn't like us anymore. And that sucks. And we fucked all that up in the past. And now we got lots of debt. And that's fine. You know, like, it's not big enough to kill yourself. Like you have to accept the shit. And that is hard. And I think a lot of people, it's it's it takes a lot is all I'm saying, you know, and it's like, I I don't know what things happen to people like did you hear about the guy of uh, Bed Bath and Beyond? He had some crazy thing happen, and he like jumped off of a building or something. Kate Spade, she's a big company owner too. She she committed suicide. These people they have big issues in their big businesses, and, you know, commit suicide. It's like it was too hard to say. You know, like I'm going to go to jail, and that is what my destiny is, is here on Earth, and I'm going to have to face it or something like that. You know, like... We,
0: we, we were talking... Um, I was talk- we, I think I said, uh, spoke with this with Henry, Jimi Hendrix. I read briefly the... Um, they had a book. It was a close friend of his that kind of went through his entire life. And he said that Jimi Hendrix's biggest problem was he couldn't handle the weight of the world. And he said that if Jimmy would have just accepted, just focus on your music, just focus on your fans, you know, like you're really great out there. But he just, he just wanted the whole big picture. He couldn't shrink his head down to the smaller picture. And it killed him. You know, you sometimes you just got to, you know, you got to be like a little, little tiny guy. Uh... But, like, all seriousness, though, no, but, like, you, you just... I think the bigger picture kind of fucks up a lot of shit, to be honest with you.
1: You think be more, more like, don't get too much going on in your mind. Like, kind of just focus in, you think? I I don't know. Just a combination of <laughs> Yeah, I do think that... I think I was really, like, narrow-minded when i was in my worst places like i i told myself that like this is the way it will be forever you know and that's yeah, i don't know i don't think anybody's life is the way it is forever you know
2: yeah that's like what i was just about to get into like a a quote that i really like is "Just everything is temporary like whatever situation you're in at the moment it's a year from now, it's going to be like completely different. It's like temporary. And so sometimes we like can't see beyond like our problems and issues, but I think sometimes they're like put in front of us to like teach us something or either, or like either also help us like face that issue because by us like getting through certain things it's not only helping you or benefiting you but like you never know you might run into someone else down the road who also is suffering from that same issue you had and now you you're there to like help guide them and help them face that so that they can move beyond and then little do you know like that person's helping another person. And it's just like passing on lessons to everyone pretty much. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, um, I mean, in my own experience, I, I can't really say too much because I don't know how comfortable she would be with me saying this. Uh, I, I did have a close friend that she went through having a friend that committed suicide, and we were close when I was in Israel, and we kind of, kind of got through it kind of together. But the hardest thing for me was, and this is something that I kind of learned, we had this energy and we kind of collided. And every single time we collided, we had these horrible arguments. And, you know, we would kind of rekindle things and then we would talk and then we kind of go through the whole process over and over again. Um, I feel like that's also a big part of this whole issue, is the fact that we, we, we try to talk but a lot of the times people just want to they just want to hear but not listen i
2: hear, I, I hear you I'm like yeah sometimes people just want to be heard rather than being given advice in certain situations But yeah, you live and you learn. Yeah.
0: What's going on over there, Carissa? You you seem like you're in a deep thought, deep maze of the mind.
1: One of the best ways to listen to somebody is to say, like, after they let everything out, your response to them can be an observation that you see that they're going through so and then you verbalize it to them. You say, I see that you have a lot of pressure coming towards you from your new classes and that you know you've you're really upset that you you know gained a lot of weight this this year or something, you know, and it's like correct me if I'm wrong. You know, like but like what you're supposed to do is like give an interpretation of, of what you see the person going through and then say, you know, like but I could be wrong and give the other person a chance to, you know, say, Well, no, that's not what it's like, you know. And I, I think that people need encouragement. Yeah, um, I, I know for high schoolers we were talking about like, the, um, how much pressure it is to figure out like what type of career you're gonna take on and like how you're gonna make money and if you're gonna go to school, and, like- The you talk. Know, it's, oh my freaking God. And so it's just, it's a lot of pressure that the world puts on parents to put on their kids. Um, and it's just, it's the way of society. And what we're talking about is like money. Um, I definitely didn't feel confident in myself to ever be able to have a place of my own or anything like that you know like I couldn't picture that I I wasn't I didn't know that I would be able to graduate high school right you know so like it, how how could you ever have the life that you want you know so I think that people need to feel independent and that uh, finances will definitely make a person feel trapped um and I I had absolutely no money of any kind in the future with anyone, you know so I, I don't really know what you do about that for younger people like people need encouragement they they need to know that it's going you, you, you're just gonna have you're gonna make your way through life the way that you can you know you don't have to be perfect you just keep trying every day you know like this just kind of like yeah it's gonna suck but it's gonna be okay like People have this idea that, like, you know, like I gotta, I gotta make everything right. I gotta get the good grades. I gotta have all the friends. Like blah, blah blah blah. You know, like it's or, really not that I important. That. I didn't get into the art school? Now what? You know, like all these things. That, because I know, I mean, I don't know what it's like to have like a long, like build up to like now I die. I mean, I I do kind of like feel like yeah, I I get it a little bit. But for me, it was always kind of more like an impulsive thing, like you're like sitting in depression where you do kind of want to die, but like there's like a, a trigger where it's like, Mah. you know, like that was it for me. The like, switch. I think so. I think the switches are impulsive, you know, and that's why you have to like be patient with yourself and not just like react like that, you know? But I, I think that when you're,
2: when you have no power, what do you do? What can you do? It's like only focus on what you can control, really. You can't, if you let the things out of your control, like dictate your life, then like, you're always going to be feeling down or powerless. I think you just got to focus on what you can control. It's like your mindset, like habits, things like that. But, yeah, I like can relate to the whole like buildup thing because I was like actually pretty good at football in high school. I was like my junior year. I barely played any varsity, and I like have uh, my coach come in and like, hey Henry, you got a letter from this school today. Oh, you got like three letters from this school today. To the point, I was like, oh yes, yeah, senior year, it's it's like my time to shine. Uh, and I ended up, I did get like a few offers from like schools in state. Uh, some from out of state, but the school that I ended up going to, I like really didn't get any offers. I only like went there to go because like I had friends that went there and I didn't want to go to school alone. And uh, like to play, (laughs) to play college ball, you have to be cleared by the NCAA clearinghouse. It's like a huge process. Um, but once I actually, the day I got cleared to play in basketball class, I rolled my ankles super bad. I think I ended up fracturing a bone in uh, oh. my ankle and my coach or the, like the teacher for that class was actually our offensive coach. And he saw that and he got so pissed off because he just like knew how, how athletic I was. Like the day that happened, he was like putting teams together. And my team like didn't really have any athletes on it. And all the like the other two teams had like guys that also played football and then people that also did play basketball. And they're like, Coach, like, why did you just like give Henry all of these like people that don't play basketball? And his exact response was, if Henry's, like, in his zone and he's playing at his, like, top ability, then regardless of whoever on his team, whoever is on his team, he's going to win the game. But if Henry's not playing to the best of his ability, then he's going to lose every game. So it technically, like, doesn't matter. But yeah, it was, like, the first game, I think, like, the third play of the game, I like had a full court break to go lay the ball in, and right when I got to the rim, I stepped like weird on my right ankle, and then, uh, yeah, I fractured and like sprained it. Oh. Couldn't play spring ball, and wow. yeah, and towards the end of spring ball, I was like still going through physical therapy and he like sat me down and he's like I've seen like you run I've seen like how athletic you are I just don't know if you have got it and so I don't know if I'm gonna give you an offer to like play and pretty much after that I just yeah I just stopped caring <laughs> stopped caring about football pretty much like school too
1: yeah yeah. there's like a, a gradual like where like you know like the, the activities go away and like more friendships go away. And like, I kind of see this like big picture thing. I don't
2: yeah. mean that to
1: you, sorry, but like mm-hmm. I,
2: I'm adding to it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was exactly that. And so I ended up, I actually was living at St. George at that time. The college that I went to was there. Um, then I ended up moving back to Salt Lake, um, And then I went to like community college a little bit just because it was cheaper. And I wanted to, yeah, still like study psychology and be a therapist, but then, yeah. What I spoke about earlier happened and then I just straight dropped out of school and I was like, I don't know what I wanna do and I'm not gonna pull out a bunch of loans and figure out that I don't want to do something and be in a bunch of debt. I
0: was thinking about going to um, college when I was in California. And I gave up on that uh, once COVID hit. And I, I realized like, I realized very early on that, No one can promise you success. No one can tell you that a piece of paper is going to get you anywhere. And that's the other thing is, is this 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 epiphany of it's called hope. I call it false hope because that's what it is. It's false hope. It's promising you something it cannot promise you. How do you expect people to react when you? You, you give them all of the, like these opportunities and all of these things that they can do, but you can't do them for a variety of different types of circumstances. You know, uh, too many people applying for the same job, uh, many years in school, starting late debt, I mean student debt, like people that are now in – retiring and then out of their pension they're taking money for their student loans so we are in an environment unfortunately in my opinion that creates this switch or trigger or whatever of depression that people just say fuck this shit i'm out
1: yeah, I mean, what did I? My joke was that the the best suicide prevention is to create a life that's you know that you'd actually want to live. <laughs> I don't know. it's a that's, shitty joke. That's a great advice. <laughs> great advice. <laughs> no, it mean, like it would simplifies it in like some really stupid kind of way, but it I, it's also like my like sarcasm where I'm like, oh, you want me to stay alive? Maybe like give me a life that's not you know like controlled by some terrible government. Um but um, Biden. Um. <laughs> I'm not gonna let them take away my only chance at life, you know. I mean it sucks. Like I could I I I, I sympathize, you know.
2: Yeah. One day. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know the lyrics. I don't know the lyrics either, but... Damn, I mean, it feels like... I feel like the number one thing that I've learned more about suicide than anything... I think there's like two things. is Like Carissa said, it's like a trigger. It's like a switch. And... It's like this level of depression. I have this thing where I actually... I have four levels of depression. Carissa knows this. Uh, The last one is called the edge. So, I ever use the term the edge. She, like, knows immediately what I'm talking about. Um,
1: Close. I call you immediately.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, like, this is my... So, um, okay, the, the four that I have is... The fourth one is the edge. The third one is the matrix. The second one is isolation. And then the first one is... Uh, unplacement I don't feel like belong here so basically like in my head it's not where it's like one or the other it's if you have three you have all three at once if you have four you have all four at once Uh, what I'm trying to say is Depression is like an onion. I think we've talked about this. It is. It's like an onion. It's an onion that has many, many, many layers. You know? Mm.
1: The depression onion? The onion of depression? Yeah, we definitely talked about the onion of depression. Because, like, the inside of it is, like, you know, like, the really nasty shit. Uh Um. Uh, I, I know that when I went to the hospital, they, they had us create, um, lists and like plans, um, and things that we would do, um, if we felt suicidal again, when we got to go out to, the when I was in the hospital, one of the coolest, weirdest memories, I have a lot of weird old cool memories, but like one of the ones that I loved was that the technology there was like 10 years ago maybe even longer ago like there was no internet obviously but there was like a VHS player you know and there was like somebody who like dropped off just like all their old VHSs
0: and then like I remember those
1: puzzles you know and like they're like those weird like multicolored trays with like the little like indents that like the fluid would go in
0: and you always could go to, like, the—I remember this. You can go up to the receptionist, and they used to have, like, this little case. I'm dead serious, like, full of, like, VHS tapes. And then you'd ask them, like, do you have something? And I'm dead serious. I remember once—I think it was my mom that was in the hospital. was many years ago. And I went in there. They had I Love Lucy on VHS And they came in, and I remember this, like, the nurse was, like, this big woman, okay? She, like, screeches the chair (laughs) against the floor, stands up on the chair, like, starts moving the TV, and it's, like, this big clunky thing, and it's, like, hanging, like, by chains from the ceiling, and she, like, puts the tape in. And funny thing is, like, most of us, like, most people today don't realize, like, that's what entertainment was in the hospital like fluorescent bulbs that always flickered and clunky vhs tvs hanging from the ceiling from like that one chain you know what i'm talking about it's like that one chain
1: as far as entertainment goes like also like whatever prescription drugs they put you on yes very entertaining it's like what the fuck is happening like (laughs) I remember one time I, like, stood up and just, like, fell over. Like, I was like, what did you guys hear me? <laughs> like, you guys are assholes. Like, what is this? Tramazone? What is that? Like, I had the craziest dreams in the world in the hospital. Like, it was just, I, they, they fuck with you there. I don't know. I mean, I'm grateful. I like their help. Like, whatever. I... I don't know if I would suggest it to anyone or not. That's my my own experience. But I do remember definitely a lot of like, well, we'll put you on this medicine. Then we'll put you on this medicine. Do you still want to die? Okay, see you tomorrow. Like, it was pretty stupid. Like, but it was the best they had, you know, and I I survived. Um, I
0: I rejected it. I was... um... One suicide attempt when I was in L.A., and I called up a director of a, a organization that called Freedom, and I told him that I had a bottle of pills, and I had, like, my roommate was gone, and this was, like, Rosh Hashanah, which is, like, I think it's like, the New Year's, like, the holidays, so like, I had nobody that I can call. So I called him up, and he brought out his, um, I think, cousin or relative, and he drove me to a hospital and then they brought me to um you know like a ward and it freaked me out like the way that they were talking to me like they didn't even talk to me like i was a human being like she kept treating me like as if like i was a, like a murderer or like a serial killer or a schizophrenic and i was like yeah what year is this 1964 like i mean this was 2019 but it like it felt like 1964.
1: Yeah, I felt like they were gonna like walk me up, you know, like Looney Bin style. Like, um, you know, like in Beauty and the Beast, like they like start saying that like her dad is insane and they like are gonna like yeah. throw him of like a, basically a little cage or something. Cause I think he's lost his mind. You know, it's really scary to have other people say, you know, like, oh, you lost your mind, you know, like, it takes away like all your like rights. I think that's like another reason that people, you know, maybe like hide their severe suicidal thoughts until later and stuff like that because they don't want their authority to be taken away. I know when I was in high school, I felt like my authority was taken away. Like I, I could not do a damn thing after I tried to kill myself. Like they watched me like a freaking hawk. It was horrible. And if I thought I didn't have any friends before, they were all gone after that. And it was just, like, it was even worse. Like, and I think that's maybe why people have, like, a relapse, too, because it's really embarrassing to go through if you survive, you know, um, which I kind of did. But, like, I, like, asked for help on my second. I was like, I need, I need help because I just want to die still, you know. Um, it's the hospital stuff, like, hopefully they've worked on it. You know, but they, they did. They taught us coping skills and stuff, and we had lists and things that we were supposed to do, like whenever we felt that way. Uh, one of my favorite ones is like they taught me how to ground myself like, through a panic attack. So like if you're having a panic attack, you're supposed to like think about the room that you're in. This is called grounding. And you're supposed to think about everything around you, what you're standing on, what you're sitting on what you're touching, what the texture of it is made of, what is above you, what is below you, what you're doing tomorrow, what you're doing tonight, what you're doing in the next hour, what you're doing in a minute, what your breath feels like. You, you try to kind of like think about your physical environment. That was one thing that they taught me in the hospital that I still use today, like 10, 15, whatever years later. Um, so they I know that the hospitals are good for people. I had like an outpatient. Uh, thing for a while there. Group therapy was very interesting. Uh, so there's a lot of resources there for sure. And I think people should take advantage of it.
0: Henry, what is uh, what are your thoughts on all of this? On what? What we were just talking about? Grounding? Yeah. Not pounding, think, grounding. That's what I said. Oh.
2: Okay. Um, i think it's good i think it's good to learn different like skills coping skills rather than just being given prescription antidepressants or like using alcohol or other drugs to cope Um I had something I wanted to say earlier, but I kind of forgot. Oh, damn. Yeah, maybe it'll come back to me eventually. Eventually.
0: Momentarily, eventually. You know, they they sound beautiful beautiful together, but Um, it's so, it's so strange. It's so strange when you realize... I remember when I realized I was not the only one that felt that way. And I realized there were people that also lost family members. And there are people that also lost people to suicide. You realize that you really aren't alone. Like, you know, like Chris is saying, like you're, you're, you get aware of your situation and your surroundings. You're like, I try to have like, this is like a daily thing. If I'm going through this and there's 8 billion people on this planet, pretty damn sure there's another person that's going through something similar that could relate. And I have it in my office. Like there was a coworker, his father, his father just recently died, also young. And we talked, I said like, what was going on? And he really want to tell me and then he told me he said his father passed away and i told him i said look like my dad died two years ago i said you know if you ever need to talk and like now like we kind of like just talk back and forth and just see how he's doing i know that he doesn't feel alone now every single time he comes in the office good be aware of your surroundings i'm like honestly this is so important just think about your situation truthfully. And any any teenager that's that's listening, I'll tell you right now, you could be weird. You can feel all those feelings and emotions, but trust me, there are people that care about you tremendously. You don't believe it, but there are. And if you hang in there just a little longer, Trust me, people will pay attention and they'll notice. It will be something. Yeah, at some
1: point. In your life.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: yes. I think it's a very good uh, spot to leave it off.
1: <laughs> I really enjoyed talking with you guys. Like I, So you're I-
0: taking you're taking my job Cur- you're taking my job henry huh yeah not- that's a good point to leave it off man it's like
1: how long we've been going did we get a whole
0: hour yet uh we're over an hour about an hour and five minutes we're good yeah sorry you were you were saying we gotta we gotta have our leave offing speech yeah. you know like
2: you got yours now carissa you know. yeah advice
1: um, I still always want to give a big shout out to my friend Addie who sh- who saved my life um, when I was in high school she you know came and put my ass in her car and drove me to the hospital. And they took care of me there. So I mean that that suicide prevention be there for your people. you know offer them a safe space um, talk to people be soft, be vulnerable with other people um, and 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 be there, you know, for each other the best that you can. You know, like, I mean, you said, Henry, the, this, you know, pressure that guys felt to man up, be tough. You know, I, I feel like with the girls, it was this pressure to be like the it girl and the it girl didn't want to like, you know, die. <laughs> so like, it is it's make a good place for people around you if you can you know it's all on all of us to to create a good space for people to want to survive it that's
2: great
0: well it's beautiful
2: it's my, is it my turn
0: yes henry it's your turn
2: all right well speaking on the whole man up topic tanny to guys out there um I feel like it's nothing more manly than being able to talk about your issues and you know struggles you're going through. It's nothing like softer, you know girly about that. And also anyone, if teenager, young adult, old adult, whoever, it's just like I said earlier everything is temporary all of your situations all of your emotions all your struggles you're going through is temporary um if you can I don't know everyone's situation but just try and meditate or journal on your thoughts and reflect on why you feel the way you do and yeah just change your you know perspective on life and try and find at least one thing you're grateful for and then you know maybe like a week later push it up to three and you know a month later you're just grateful to be alive and you'll just see you know miracles in that and that's all that's all i have
0: that's that, 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 that all folks. Sorry. Sorry, Warner Brothers, we just stole from you. Fuck you, motherfuckers. Um But I will say, like, especially when we have these conversations, and again, we are real people and we're having real conversations. It's
1: Are we real?
0: I, I don't know. We might be part of the uh, computer analyst system that Apple's working on, but hey oh. Uh I think for everyone and for all the people that we call our communities and friends we thank you for being there and supporting us and loving us with all of our weird fucking shit anyway we love you guys and gals and goyles, and we'll hopefully see you next week we'll see who knows i don't know ask me later all right goodbye